This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Today I have my co-host with me, Dr. Mike Karuchik. Hey, Hal. And uh, we come to you every week on America's Web Radio to bring you the best in medical chat radio. Doctor's Lounge is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is a 501c3 organization, a non-for-profit. We are the only physician-led, physician-run healthcare think tank in the country run entirely by practicing physicians. So we have the information and the know-how about healthcare, and every week we come to you so that we can give you the information that you'll need to fight for your healthcare freedom and our mission is to preserve the doctor-patient relationship, and that's what we've been working on for the last decade. Today, um, I'm very happy to have with us a special guest, and we have a, a very interesting topic to talk about. My guest today is uh, Dr. Henry Fabian, who is an orthopedic surgeon in uh, Steamboat Springs, Colorado. I'm going to give a little bit of an intro to uh Dr. Fabian before we bring him in, but Dr. Fabian is a uh, an orthopedic surgeon, originally um, mostly trained from Ohio. Um, he has a very diverse background. He is uh, a spine surgeon. He runs the Spine Center at Steamboat Springs um, uh, Spine uh, Facility. He is uh, a medical entrepreneur, which we'll hopefully get a little bit into, but he is really, uh, he epitomizes what physicians should be. He has uh, created a uh, business based on an idea of spine implant that uh, has revolutionized uh, spine surgery, and he uh, uh, is uh, uh, he won an award which does not seem to appear on his bio that really should be, which is quite fantastic. He won the uh, Fisher comp- competition for new ideas uh, for business plans, and that's quite an accomplishment. So, you know, kudos to uh, Henry Fabian. But he's the, uh, the uh, team physician for the U.S. Uh, uh, Ski Association Men's Alpine Ski Team, and uh, and that's why I, th- I brought Mike Karuchik in, because Mike is probably going to try to score some points with Henry today because he goes to Steamboat all the time. Absolutely. So, uh, Henry, welcome to the Doctor's Lounge. Well, guys, thanks a lot for that introduction. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's, 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 a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be on, on, online with you guys today. I wanted you on, Henry, today because we are going to explore a topic that is uh, f- uh, in the uh, forefront of uh, medical politics in Colorado, which is the initiative that's going to be on the ballot in November called Colorado Care, which is the single-payer initiative. And, Henry, I know you've been involved in medical uh, um, politics and in, in uh, medical activism in Colorado, just as we have nationally and locally here in Atlanta, Georgia. So, Henry, why don't you share with everybody what is going on in Colorado? Well, it's it's uh, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned how that it's at the 
forefront of, uh, of the conversation in Colorado. And that's the most eerie part about this. It really is not. It's flying under the radar, incredibly under the radar. I, I would venture to say that if you, if you surveyed our hospital staff here up in Steamboat Springs and asked them to explain, you know, in a sense or two, what they think Colorado care is, you'd get a lot of blank stares. And it's, it's been amazing that this is even on the ballot. Uh, it's also very scary because I think you have a lot of uninformed voters. But in essence, what it is, is um, it's, uh, they collected 156,000 signatures. They, had, they only needed 98,000. They only validated actually 15,000 some odd signatures, and that was enough on that sample for them to say that they thought they had an, had an adequate number to get to 98 to even put it on the ballot. So that's kind of interesting in of itself. But it's basically a way to get out of Obamacare. It's interesting that it basically goes to, takes Obamacare and ramps it up, amps it up on anabolic roids, on steroids, with the acceptance being clearly, even in the documents that go with it, that Obamacare hasn't worked and is a failure, and they want a waiver. And there is a section of Obamacare, I think it's like, I think it's called 1322s, but it's the ability for individual states to get a waiver to get out of Obamacare if they're going to try something innovative. And simply said and done, it is a single-payer system, universal health care system, just like we have seen in Britain with the National Health Service, what they have in France. Uh, it's even more drastic than even Germany, which Germany has more of a modified health insurance exchange program. So that's really what they're shooting for. Wow. So this, there's so much to talk about here. So first of all, um, where did they get these signatures? Did they uh, put petitions in marijuana dispensaries or something? Well, uh, based, on, based on actually reading the documents, this is also one of those classic things. It reminds me of the quote that was given by the then former Speaker of the House from San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi, going, we're going to have to pass it before we can read it. Um, if you actually read this document, it, uh, it's incredible that anyone would actually sign to support this. I, I suspect most of the signatures were, were obtained on the front range of Colorado, which tends to be an urban area that's, uh, you know, that would command this type of thing. It's, it, it's attractive to the same people who are attracted to the campaign now between Clinton and Sanders. I mean, he's offering up basically pushing a single-payer system as well. And anything for free always looks really good on paper. Let me uh, share with people what the Colorado Care Benefits Package consists of. It consists of outpatient services, both primary and specialty care, emergency, hospitalization, maternity, mental health, prescription drugs, rehab, laboratory, wellness, chronic disease management, pediatrics, dental, palliative care, end of life, and benefits for people who are on Colorado Care who travel out of state without any annual dollar cap or services, no deductibles, no co-pays, and services regardless of whether the illness or injury occurs at work, is an accident, or is chronic. How, how is this even possible? Yeah, um... You know, it's, it's, it's estimated that the tax revenue that's going to be needed to run this and what they've actually mandated in the articles that are for Colorado Care is that they're going to be drawing in what's estimated at least in the first year or two, $38 billion a year of tax revenue to run this. Uh, that would make Colorado Care larger than McDonald's. 
as a a separate corporation. It also dwarfs the entire state budget of Colorado, which was about $24.6 billion last year. So it's interesting that if you look at Part 3 or Section 3 of Colorado CARE, it says uh, this will hereby establish a political subdivision of the state called Colorado CARE that is not an agency of the state, not subject to administration direction or control by any state executive department, commission, board, bureau, or agency. So this thing is going to run as a completely independent entity with no public control. So how, how are the supporters of Colorado Care expecting this to pass on the ballot without a campaign to try to, uh, to promote it? Well, I, again, I think it's it's free. And what we've seen in Colorado, you know, Colorado um, um, under our current political system was one of the first states to fully embrace the idea of an exchange, of a health care exchange under Obamacare. You know, a lot of states did not. Uh, a lot of the uh, states actually sued, in, uh, sued and went through the Supreme Court to try to block to have to implement this. And that one, which is the Colorado Health Insurance Exchange, uh, called Colorado connect failed miserably in fact it just shut its doors down in the last couple of months i mean they went in and lost 72 million dollars in one year plus the 40 million dollars they were getting from the from the state taxpayers so in one year they had 112 million dollar loss on top of 177 million dollars in federal grants to set up their website and their it to run the thing so the health insurance exchange failed miserably and only had 80,000 people on board and so everyone has seen that fail, and they're all, of course, they're all trying to grasp for an alternative. I mean, as predicted with Obamacare, the health insurance premiums in Colorado have skyrocketed in the last year. And everybody knew when that uh, false mask would come off in 2015, and you'd really see the man behind the green door, you'd see how bad this really was going to be. And that's why I think this thing gained some traction, because as designed with Obamacare, I, I've always been quite cynical and said that, Obamacare wasn't designed to work. It was designed to fail on purpose to give us the fallback alternative that we have to go to a universal single-payer system. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's exactly what, what this is all about, a single-payer system where um, there would be a bureaucracy that would uh, replace the, the current health care system. And they're saying they're trying to, to uh, sell this as a, uh, a partnership that all Coloradans would own. But uh, they, they're really uh, cloaking this new bureaucracy in a, uh, in a false narrative that this is, this is going to be uh, something that all Coloradans would have a hand in and they would uh, um, not have uh, a, a, a government telling them what to do, but rather they would be the ones in charge. Right, Henry? Is that what they're that, saying? That's true. I mean, if you look again, if you look at the articles right under that, that, that other section that said that's going to be establishing a political subdivision, under Section 4, there will be an interim board of 15 people that will be voted on by, huh. interesting enough, the president of the Colorado Senate and the not the majority leader of the Colorado Senate, but the minority leader. So they're already defaulting that the person who controls this is the minority leader. And then... And after about 60 days, there'll be a vote, and then the ultimate is to have a 21-member board. There'll be six divisions, six or seven divisions in the state, so that each regional subdivision will vote on the appointees. They each get three appointees to a 21-member board. It's a lot like the 
Obamacare, I tell IPAP, you know, yes. which was that board Absolutely. which was going to decide what you get, what services. And, you know, obviously, just like in the National Health Service in Great Britain, right. the health care has to be rationed. There's absolutely no way this has any and, conceivable way of working without that. And, Henry, this is a good place to break because we're at a hard break. So we're going to come back to IPAP when we come back into the Doctors' Lounge on America's Web Radio. All right. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And we're back in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. I've got my co-host with me today, Dr. Mike Karuchik. Hello, Hal. And we uh, have our guest, Dr. Henry Fabian talking with us about Colorado Care. Just uh, a, uh, a little PSA on one of our sponsors, which is the Heartland Institute. The Heartland Institute helps to sponsor the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Um, they're a uh, uh, think tank that talks about problems that affect uh, all of us, including uh, health care, energy, education, they have featured the Docs for Patient Care Foundation in their healthcare newsletter and online. We are their healthcare consultants. They've been a very strong supporter of the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, as I hope all of you will be. Go to our website, www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org or d4pcfoundation.org and contribute generously so that we can continue to bring you the high-quality shows that we do every week, such as here on the Doctor's Lounge. Henry, when we broke, we were talking a little bit about the bureaucratic uh, 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 Colorado board that that resembles very much Obamacare light and their IPAB and bureaucrats who will be in charge of health care. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So it seems to me that... Uh, that despite the fact that they're making promises to everybody, there, there's um, only so much resources that you can have when nobody has any skin in the game. And, and it, it, it's only a matter of time before the, the services rendered exceed the resources to pay for it. 
Oh, it's gonna it's it, it's it's gonna totally map out the way things have, particularly in Great Britain and, and in France, which are probably the most typical examples we have of this kind of a single payer system. I mean, you'll have docs that won't uh, won't accept patients. You'll have doctors that will flush out of Colorado, as will private entrepreneurs, uh, companies. This puts a burden on small businesses that is just incredible. I mean, with the proposed taxes and the payroll tax, it's going to be a 6.7% payroll tax. Wow. Um, on, on small businesses, there's a 3.3% component, which they maintain the same for the individual, for the employee, but 6.7%. It ends up being a 10% burden of net income for small businesses. That's net income. That's net income. They made a big deal about that, too. So, um, so the way they try to number. sell this, Henry, is that they say, well, you won't be paying health care premiums anymore. It's all going to come through this tax. I mean, is that the... Is that the sell? Yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the strategy they're using. You know, what's curious is, you know, they they on, on their own literature, their own website, claim that they're going to be generating or bringing in thirty eight billion dollars of revenue, and yet they state on a projection done by the Colorado Foundation for Universal Care that they're going to only be spending twenty six point seven billion dollars a year in two thousand nineteen, compared to the thirty one point two billion under the current system. So. They're netting out. If there's a gap between the 38 billion in tax revenue they're bringing in and the 26.7 billion they're going to spend, I mean, where's the money going? Exactly. Well, that's that's a, a, always a question when when money's going into a a pool that's being administered by someone else. Where is the money going? The the um, let me let me be a devil's advocate for a second. If you, if somebody were to go onto the Colorado Care website. And and uh, read the propaganda that they're trying to sell to the public. What they're trying to create is the picture that what they're putting together is actually something that works for everybody, and that there's universal agreement about this. Um, the one area that we can opine on as experts are that of physicians. So what they're trying to say as physicians. Uh, or two physicians is that don't worry your income is going to be preserved because when we were uh, we were looking at this that's that's the first thing that we were considering because we know that physician income is really a relatively small part of healthcare uh, costs it only it only accounts for eight percent of all the costs in healthcare so we're not really worried about hurting the doctor reimbursement we want to cut the fat out of the system and and I'm and I'm saying this not so that our audience believes that we're concerned about about um, uh, money and 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 preserving our income but the point is that if we're going to keep our practices open and keep the lights on you have to have a certain income to be able to do that well that's absolutely true now here you know you're being asked to accept and being forced to accept a constitutional amendment i think to the to the Colorado state constitution this is a that's the big shift and it's the important factor too is that you will be compelled to do so and in the case of doctors they're being asked they're being forced to sign out without ever seeing a fee schedule without ever understanding what they're going to get paid for an office visit or procedure um, it's very similar to what we dealt with in the 90s when the big push was with all the health maintenance organizations. And everyone scrambled to get contracts with these HMOs and had no idea what that fee schedule was going to be. 
Um, you know, we're already burdened as, as doctors across the country when you think that for patients over 65 on Medicare, we're getting probably 28 to 34 cents on the dollar of our of what we charge, and for the other federal programs, it's probably more like 18 cents on the dollar. So I'm you gonna, can't maintain a practice that way. So I'm going to be a devil's advocate because the proponents of this law will come in and say, Dr. Fabian, you're, you're greedy because we're going to pay you um, 30, 33% more than the current Medicare uh, payment is, is uh, uh, allowing, and we're going to cut all the fat out of your out of your operating expenses so that you don't need to worry about having somebody to bill and somebody to collect and somebody to pre-certify because all of these services are covered. So all you'll have to do is just tell us what you do and we're going to send you a check. How could how could you want anything more than that? Well, uh, Hal, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a practical practical guy, realist. I've never had someone from the government on any other program tell me that stuff and actually for it to be true. I mean, we actually, as a percentage of overhead of our practice for billing and things like that, it's not that big of a bird that I would ever want to make that shift. Um, so you know, so let me ask a dumb question agency. here then from you guys. Is, so they're suggesting that, that they're not going to go through a regular claims process in this single-payer, this new, uh, you know, single-payer system doesn't require that you submit clean claims and chase them down? There's not going to be any denied claims? Is that's, it, that's kind of what they're, what's that's been implied saying. here. Yeah. <laughs> sure. This is, this is such a fairy tale that, that it's, it's, it's um, almost unbelievable that people are buying this. It's just, it's just so, so inconceivable. And um, a third-party payer taking no responsibility – for for scrutinizing what's being spent it's just it's it's promising everything and ultimately it will deliver nothing and that's the real the real concern that people are signing away their healthcare future you know just as a short you know we've had this window of time where we could see something similar to this working and that's that Colorado health insurance exchange that just went down there were audits done out here in Denver that were uh, written up in the Post, which is the, the paper in Denver, and they basically talked about how Colorado Health Insurance Exchange lacked any financial controls, and the amount of waste that was done through that health insurance exchange was just incredible. They uh, were hiring uh, IT consultants and let them run away. One of them had an original $350,000 contract that was supposed to be their max that ran into the millions completely unrestrained and with no monitoring. So that's just a small component of what this would be. Henry, why don't you share with people who aren't medically inclined what this means for patients when they ultimately are not going to get what they expect to get from Colorado Care, from either the state or the this agency eventually denying them care because they are going to have to um, uh, ration at some point or because a physician won't accept Colorado care or there are just not enough physicians to go around. Tell, tell everybody what this is going to mean in Colorado. Well, you know, I, I'm a 
I'm going to base this, I'm going to qualify this off my experience of having trained in Europe and spent a lot of time with the U.S. ski team over there in Europe for ski races interacting, and I've got family over in Europe. So I've seen the European model for years and years and years, and it's exactly where this would go. I mean, to me, it's always been kind of a a tragedy, an, an American tragedy, that you watch Europe, and you watch them digging and clawing their way back out of the abyss. And here is the U.S. American healthcare train going full barrels over the edge for something that they spent 50 years trying to dig themselves out of. We'll use an example of France, which is supposedly the model that Obama used is what our ideal healthcare system should look like. 93% of French citizens who supposedly have single payer universal health care have bought supplemental health insurance private health insurance. So they have gone over and above. They've taken this huge tax burden, which for a small business person here in Colorado will be 10% of net or 6.7% payroll tax plus 3.3% contribution. And they've paid that, which they don't even use anymore because now they've paid more money to buy supplemental health care insurance. So we end up with a two-tiered system, which is exactly what we could as Americans always pride ourselves on not having because that exists everywhere else in the world. You have the have and the have-nots, and it has to do with the private insurance. You go to any city in, in, in Great Britain, particularly London, you're going to be seen in the public single-payer system between 9 and 2, and then the doctor has vanished because he scrambled across town through London to get to his private clinic, which he runs from 3 to 7. And that's where most of the work gets done. That's, that's what's going to happen. Do you get any sense that patients are going to be able to opt out of Colorado Care or that physicians will have any alternative but participating in Colorado Care? Well, you know, they've, they've stated in their literature from supporters that they said as the dominant uh, you know, entity in the state of Colorado, which they would be, that they, they will, it will be very challenging for a doctor to be able to opt out. I mean, at some point, that 21-member board could could also do things like say, well, you know, we also control whether you've got your whether you're certified to work in the state, and they could tie that to your participation in Colorado Care as well. I mean, that's how it is in Canada to some extent. I mean, you've got you really can't, as far as I know, like stand to be corrected, but I don't do not think doctors can opt out of the single payer system in. In Canada, I think they're actually forbidden from having private practices. So, but as a result, everyone knows what happened there. Very talented doctors in Canada flooded to the U.S. They're all practicing in the United States now. Wow. You know, we're, we're coming up to a break, and um, the, what, on the next segment, I'd like to uh, ask you about the other stakeholders in healthcare, the insurance companies and the hospitals and what uh, what they're thinking about this. So when we come back in the Doctor's Lounge in the next segment, that's what we'll be talking about. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. 
If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. We're back in the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz, with my co-host, Dr. Mike Karuchik. Hello, hello. And our guest, Dr. Henry Fabian, spine surgeon from Steamboat Springs, Colorado, talking about Colorado care and the debacle that the doctors, the people in Colorado are trying to uh, uh, stave off, uh, if they can, to keep the barbarians from the gate. Uh, Henry, in the, in the break, we, we uh, were talking about something that we really should be talking about on air, which is when you visited Germany and uh, and the uh, and and your old professor showed you around. Why don't you share that story? Yeah, I was just uh, mentioning to the guys that I got invited last year to give uh, grand rounds back in Germany, and I gave a talk. And the old the old chairman, my old chairman, uh, trusted chairman, took me on a tour of the facility, and he says, "Well, Henry, do you see anything different? Do you notice anything different from when you were here in '96?" And I go. I go, no. He goes, well, that's right, because we're broke. Uh, we are financially done. We haven't had a capital acquisition for new equipment since you left in 1996, and, and this was 2015. And, that's, and, and their health care system is no different than what Colorado is trying to get to. That's pretty much the case. In fact, that's Germany, which would, I guess, as close as I could say, it, is the best of the rest compared to what we currently have in the U.S., um, it's not as draconian in Germany as it is even in France and, and England. I mean, that's, that takes it down a whole new notch. Where doctors are going on strike because of money. Excellent. And ambulance drivers and nurses and, and uh, home health care providers in Paris, I mean, constantly on strike. Well, you know, this, is, this, this should be a wake-up call to everybody who um, enjoys the quality of care that they get right now and and uh and sees the the false promises of obamacare which was you can keep your doctor if you like him or your uh, costs are going to go down everybody who uh uh pays for their health care not those who are getting it for free from the government but those who are actually working and paying for their health care know otherwise And and this is the route that we're going down if you accept the false pr- uh, promises from government that you can get something for nothing. You can't. And uh, that's what Colorado Care is. It's something for nothing, except it's not just nothing. It's going to have a huge impact, as we've heard, on the economy of Colorado and and uh, the individual uh, pocket of uh, every Colorado. And, Henry, what I'm amazed at is the fact that the uh, there hasn't been pushback by the hospitals or the insurance companies? Yeah, I, I think there too. I mean, that may be 
I mean, well, the, the insurance companies, I think, are really pushing back. I know that uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Colorado has has contributed substantially, from my understanding, against this. But the hospitals always play a wait-and-see game because they, they think they're going to get funds. I mean, just like the AMA fell in the line in supporting Obamacare, and were probably promised and assured certain things, as were the insurance companies by the Obama administration. And then, of course, it turns out that it was a ruse. I mean... You've got a lot. I think it's United Healthcare is pulling out. I mean, they've lost $454 million in, the, in their participation in Obamacare in one year. Well, that's just on their Obamacare um, product. But they have made so much more money on their ability to raise their rates all throughout the rest of their um, book of business thanks to Obamacare. That's true, yeah. And, uh, and, and there are definitely winners that uh, gets selected. The hospitals have been a winner in, in Obamacare because of everything that they've been given, the ability to buy doctor practices, the ability to have preferential uh, payment schedules, the ability to keep doctors from owning hospitals. They've been given really the, uh, the, the, kings, the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, in health care uh, in exchange for being a willing participant. But I can't see how... The, the hospitals in Colorado think that by having one payer, which is Colorado care bureaucracy, is going to in any way benefit them um, when, when the um, amount of money that they're going to pay is going to be substantially less than the private insurers. No, that's true. I, I, I don't know what uh, what the thought process is in thinking that's good. I mean, you know, there are some suits that have been filed by a couple of attorney generals for states against hospital acquisitions of doctors' practices because it's been uniformly shown that hospital procedural utilization and the actual costs of providing physician care have gone up when hospitals own the doctors. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that we'll see how that plays out. But, of course, it's going through our court system, which is, has a lean to it, that it's probably going to be compelled to support this. But it's... Uh, you know, I always used to say when I moved out, I moved out here to, to Colorado because this was going to be my last stand to be a private physician. I mean, back in Cleveland where I was born and raised, I mean, we have university hospitals and the Cleveland Clinic, which are both gigantic organizations, and it's basically like the mob. You either join them or you, you struggle because they were uh, astute enough to buy up all the family practice and primary care practices, and then they direct traffic. So... The patients lose their choice. They, they absolutely lose their choice of who they can see. So let me ask another dumb question here. What's the theoretical role of the existing private insurers um, in the single-payer scheme? Do they just go up in a puff of smoke, or do they have some role in claims processing? Or you know, I, They must have been promised something to not be fighting it more than they're fighting it. I know you said there is some fight going on, but what's supposed to happen I, to them? They, I mean, if this is really implemented, they're gone. I mean, they're 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 really gone. I don't see I don't see them at least in the state of Colorado having any role. I mean, they actually on their again on their website their impact. Or this was the impact study that was done. Uh, they think that four point five billion dollars of out of state spending for ad, admin for administrative fees would would go away. They're actually claiming that there would be a net thirty two thousand dollar. Uh, to make a 32,000 job gain in 2019 in the state because there wouldn't be any work taken out of the state by the insurance companies. Um, 
So, and everybody just kind of believes that, again, the jobs just shift. Instead of these folks working for private insurers, those jobs go up in smoke, and they all turn around and work for the state doing, I guess, about the same thing or something close. Well, this is, this is the creeping bureaucracy that, uh, that we're seeing everywhere where um, bureaucracy is growing uh, at, at an alarming rate. They don't create anything. They just take. And this is, you know, a... a a great example. Healthcare is is uh, the largest segment of our of our economy. It, it is a two point seven trillion dollar annual economy, and it, in states that are uh, that have Medicaid, uh, which is every state, it's it's the single largest line item uh, um, payment on their on their books. So so healthcare is huge, and and uh, and. This is uh, just another way for for there to be, you know, the creeping bureaucracy that we're seeing. And one of the things that that I find that's really interesting in, in researching Colorado Care is looking where it has been thought to um, be possible here in the states and failed. You know, it, um, a couple of years ago, there was an attempt to, to implement a single payer in Vermont. And uh, it's it's just so so alarming to me that the people in Colorado are not heeding the the lessons of the past. You know, we are, we we know the the admonition, which is if you don't, you're doomed to uh, repeat the failures. And what happened in Vermont is really telling. It's you know the story in Colorado is that there are about five and a half million people in Colorado. As opposed to Vermont, where there are um, uh, 625,000 people, and they could not make a single-payer system work in Vermont because it was going to bankrupt the system. They figured that for the 625,000 people they needed to have, uh, that that the system would cost $1.7 trillion dollars. Um, in taxes to pay for this, and they would still be about two trillion dollars. I'm sorry, two billion dollars short. So, in order to make up for that shortfall, they were going to have to raise everybody's payroll taxes and state income tax. And this was this was a uh, this was a non-starter for Governor Shumlin, who pulled the plug on it because he realized it was going to bankrupt. Um, Vermont, if they implemented this, so what's up with Colorado? Why can't they look in? They're bigger, and they are more complex. They've got a much more diverse population than Vermont, and Vermont couldn't make this work. How does Colorado think that they're going to make it work? Well, again, I mean, they're not just like with Obamacare. They're not being they're not being held to the and held to the grindstone to explain how that's going to work. It's just like, well, we'll see. We'll just have to pass it and wait and see. Um, you're right. It's just not – I just don't see the feasibility in doing it. And, you know, the other thing about people being taxed, you know, our people in, in the state of Colorado over the age of 65 also don't realize that your Social Security benefits are also taxed to pay for this. Wow. I don't think people have realized that. I mean, this is a comprehensive tax that, play, that applies to – Interest income, in, income from gambling, in, income from dividends, Social Security benefits, they kind of slip that in there with a fifth comma in this long line of things that are going to be taxable. I mean, and that's the, the strange thing is 
patients over 65 who are on Medicare and are maybe relatively happy with their Medicare program are going to be compelled to pay for Colorado care out of their Social Security benefits when they're not even using the system. Well, I would think that would be the political third rail. I would think all you'd have to do is make that public and and the thing will go down in a tailspin. That's that's shocking to me that they would put that out there. I just, you know, maybe it's because we're up here in the mountains and I've got, you know, the oxygen is, uh, we're still getting some oxygen up here. I'm not really sure what's, because I tell you guys, this is really flying under the radar. I see very little traction in the media with this. Um, I don't have colleagues talking about it. I, and most people do not know what this is about. So there's got to be a plan for people who do know what's going on. What, what do you uh, envision is going to happen between now and November? Well, I would anticipate things will dramatically heat up as we get in the fall because people will start asking the hard questions. I mean, I think people don't really pay attention until late in the late summer, early fall, uh, and then you'll see a whole lot of activity. Um, but it's just surprising it even got this far. So this thing gets voted on in November with everything else. Is that the the plan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some kind of referendum or something, or what is it? How is it structured? Well, it's on the ballot. It's on the ballot as a standard. Uh, uh, it's a constitutional amendment. Issue, a constitutional amendment. Oh, okay. So, right. so this can pass by just simply uh, a majority vote. That's true. And then, of course, constitutional amendments, if they do indeed pass, are incredibly hard to unwind. Oh, sure. What happens? Um, so, what happens? What do, what do you predict will happen? Um, if this does pass, what's going to happen to physicians? And we have one minute till the break, Henry. So are, are physicians going to start leaving Colorado? Oh, absolutely. And, and, I mean, this will absolutely happen. And, and, uh, and small businesses, um, large businesses, small businesses, I mean, they will flood out of here. I mean, uh, Colorado now currently has, I think, about a 4.65% tax base, and when that goes to 10, that pushes us in the neighborhood of New York, New Jersey, Hawaii, California. I mean, and you know what happens. I mean, look at California with their, their rise in their, in their state income tax. People flushed out of California. Absolutely did. Well, you know what, we're going we're gonna to finish this up in the last segment when we get back to the Doctors' Lounge on America's Web Radio. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. 
This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. We're wrapping up the last segment in the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. We're brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Please go to our website, www d4pcfoundation.org that's d the number 4 pcfoundation.org and make a contribution today so that we can continue to bring you shows like the high quality ones we're we're you're listening to today with our guest Dr. Henry Fabian spine surgeon from Colorado Springs California uh, <laughs> Steamboat Springs Colorado I'm sorry my I just I just ha- was on vacation right now momentarily in the Bahamas and uh, <laughs> and uh, and Henry is a uh, medical activist in in uh, Colorado who is uh, trying to push back and uh, keep what's happening in Colorado from from becoming a constitutional amendment, which is Colorado Care, and uh, we spent the last three segments talking about the direct uh, uh, problems that that a single payer system would wreak on uh, the average patients in Colorado and to the healthcare system. But there are also intangible. Um, uh, harms that are are done when a system such as this uh, uh, is implemented, and, and Dr. Fabian is a uh, uh, a uh, an accomplished uh, spine surgeon, an innovator, and a medical entrepreneur. He started a a business that was based around an idea, which was to make a a um, better mousetrap, so to speak, in in terms of uh, spine surgery, things that would not be possible under a uh, single-payer stifling bureaucracy and, and something that's even difficult in the system that we have today. And I'm going to let you uh, um, uh, relate the issues that you've had and explain what, what, I'm, what I'm getting at there, Henry. Yeah, I mean, again, a single-payer system versus what we have in the U.S. I mean, you know, we have always dominated. The United States has always dominated in regards to developing new technology for health care. And that already, over the last several years since Obamacare took hold, has already really deteriorated. I mean, if you look at new product startups, new innovations, and think tanks, and some of the incubators in this business, a dramatic number of them have shifted off have shifted offshore. In fact, uh, most of the really good work is in currently now in even Israel. I mean, Israel has great incubators for uh, new product development, and we just don't have in the states anymore because the federal regulatory burden is so cumbersome. Um, you know, we basically had an idea for a spinal implant that, you know, I really truly felt would be better, faster, cheaper, uh, and be a benefit to patients. And under a single-payer system, this just deteriorates. And, and all you have to do is go to Europe, like I do so often when I travel with a ski team, and go through their hospitals and see the, the gap in terms of equipment and in terms of capital expenditures like we just talked about to realize that when the money dries up and it's all coming from one pool, and it doesn't grow, it's, it's not flexible, you're going to lose these, these chances to really innovate, to do new things. 
Tell us about your your device and and is it is it um, being used around the world, but not here in the U.S. Well, uh, not yet. We actually are awaiting uh, FDA approval for for one iteration of the device. But basically, it's a it's a it's a device that goes in very small. It's only six millimeters wide, going into the disc space, which is what it's designed to do. It's a so it's called an inner body fusion cage. And uh, the idea is there are, you know, smaller incisions, just like patients are accustomed to seeing on, in the news media now with robotic surgery, uh, less and less invasive procedures. I mean, that's really what the goal is, is to be able to do a spinal fusion surgery, for instance, and potentially do it outpatient. When you think about that and think about the tech- technology we need to get there and how much that would save us, I mean, the average cost of a lumbar fusion surgery in the United States currently is well over $100,000. Um, and so if you think if you could cut that by 20, 30, 40% uh, by making it an outpatient procedure, what a dramatic impact that would have on the quality of patients' lives and economically what kind of impact it has on the whole, the whole healthcare system. And what about taking it out of the hospital and putting it into an outpatient surgery center that was not owned by a hospital charging five to ten times as much as as physicians are charging right now in outpatient surgery centers such as the surgery center of Oklahoma. Well, that's true. I mean, I mean that's been shown time and time again that these ambulatory surgery centers have actually the highest patient satisfaction scores. You know, patients like them. They're cheaper. Uh, you know, that's the thing about our healthcare system. You know, we're, we pride ourselves on being a free market economy, yet we have never removed the regulatory burden from our healthcare system for it to actually ever truly work as a free market system. You know, and now we're going to be hearing about how, hey, look, we tried the free market system and it failed. We have to, we have to uh, go with a single payer system. We have never let a free market system truly breathe in the U.S. Well, Henry, you raise a huge issue there that applies, I think, across the entire spectrum of healthcare conversations going on, which is sort of this intellectual cognitive shell game, uh, a bait and switch, if you will, where they'll point to something like exchanges within Obamacare and call that free market and create a straw man to sort of justify their next, you know, destructive move. That's true. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> Where 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 to go from here? So I think that where to go from here are the things that we have talked about on this show every single week, which are the innovation and and uh, the 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 uh, the patient personal responsibility, owning your own health care, rather than having a bureaucracy tell you. Um, where you can get your care, from whom you can get your care, and what kind of care you're going to get. That's the solution. And tying people with the cost of the care and making them into consumers is what this is all about. And that's one of the things that um, we've spent the last few segments talking about with Colorado Care, how that will separate patients and their doctors. It will put a bigger uh, uh, wedge between between the patient and the person giving the care to them where there's a total disconnect. And, you know, in a system that promises you everything, you'll actually get nothing. 
Well, we've got this somewhere along the line. Again, I keep circling back to this shell game thing. And, you know, we've been covering in, in some of the, the shows that I've been lead hosting, uh, talking about the macro regs and the new stuff that's coming down at the federal level. And, and somewhere along the line, the conversation got shifted through this shell game thing going from a cost and access issue and then they kind of slid sideways a little bit and made that a value conversation and then they slid sideways a little bit more and made this a quality conversation and all of a sudden we have a proposed regulatory structure that that is going after quality when the original problem wasn't quality at all i mean you know nobody's questioning and i'm sure nobody's questioning in colorado either that you know doctors aren't smart enough or good enough or competent enough uh and yet now we're facing at the federal level all of these 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 hoops that we have to jump through Uh, henry are you seeing any any conversations about that stuff at the federal level? I know this is sort of off what we're supposed to talk about today. No, I mean, you know, I'm sure you guys have faced it, too, with uh, pushback. I mean, you know, you look at this, all of a sudden, all of a sudden it was this EMR, these electronic records, electronic medical records sounded so good. And then there was this MU, which is this use thing. It's meaningful use. You know, and I had one doctor call it, it's not meaningful, it's meaningless. You know, the Indeed. number one complaint of patients these days, was just a recent survey on this, is that the doctor doesn't look at me anymore. He spends too much time with his face buried in his laptop. Yeah. And, and why is his face buried in his laptop? Because he's going to be penalized by the federal government if he doesn't check off this box and that box and this box, which has absolutely nothing to do with why that patient's in the office. It's the most frustrating thing. I mean, at some point, you know, doctors will just simply have to push back and say, have enough. You know, in Europe, again, always use that example. Uh, in Bern, Switzerland, the doctors went on strike what was called the lead flu because they write everything there in pencil. For three weeks, the Swiss doctors refused to write any paper orders because they said they were inundated with too much paperwork. Huh. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what's going to happen with us with our boxes and checking off our iPads. I mean, I want to go into a patient's room. I want to sit down, look the patient in the eye, listen to their story, and help them. I do not want to stand there with my face buried in a computer. No, absolutely. And, and I think that the reason why this has taken a sideways shift is because <clears throat> it's there, when you've got a third-party payer, there's only one way that they can... Well, there's two ways that they can de- they can uh, control costs. One is to uh, decrease the services that they provide, that decrease access, or they can reduce reimbursement. So the the only way that they can re- the the reimbursement can be reduced without having a complete revolution on their hands is to change the narrative, and that is to make make it seem that uh, we don't want to pay people, we don't want to pay the providers, the doctors, for the work that they're doing because that encourages the physicians to churn, to be able to do more so that they can make more. That's what the narrative is that they're trying to uh, to sell to the public. And instead what they want to do is pay for quality. They want to pay for value. And the, these are these are insurance company terms that the government has adopted because the, this is the only way that they can control costs. And so they, they create a, a, a whole new paradigm based on these 
um, unattainable measures so that they can go ahead and continue to ratchet down care. And again, when the care, when the costs become uh, prohibitive for physicians to be able to give the services that they need to give to keep their uh, the lights on in their their uh, offices. The, the only ones who are going to suffer are going to be the patients because there are not going to be enough doctors to take care of them. And the doctors that are left are going to be completely burned out and uh, and, and dejected. And, you know, it, it, it's, no, it's no accident, I think, and no coincidence that the rate of burnout, the rate of suicide among physicians uh, is bad and continues to rise and is significantly higher than the population in general. Uh, and, uh, you know, at some point, you know, we have to turn this ship around. Uh, unfortunately, it sounds like, Henry, in Colorado, it's still headed straight towards the iceberg. You know, I think, unfortunately, it is. And it's going to take people to really wake up and ask the hard questions and face hard hard choices. I mean, it's, it's common logic. It's common sense, which, you know, according to... The French philosopher Voltaire isn't that common at all. That's unfortunately the problem. So, Dr. Henry Fabian, we are wrapping up right now, and and uh, this is going to hopefully get rebroadcast in Colorado. Tell tell Coloradans what they need to do. Well, I'm really encouraging every voter to really uh, go to the sites, to go to uh, get the opinions in the, on the front range from the paper, from the post. Look at look critically at what happened with the Colorado Health Insurance Exchange which was an, a total disaster and left us with a $72 million loss in one year of operating fees and just magnify that, you know, amplify that a hundredfold, and then you're going to see what the potential problems are going to be with trying to pass this in our state. Oh, boy. It's going to be a mess. Well, Henry, thank you so much for joining us today in the Doctor's Lounge. And as we get closer to November, hopefully we can get you back and we can talk about this again. All right, guys, and again, thanks, thanks very much. It was oh, great. Okay, and uh, thank you for being in the Doctor's Lounge with my co-host, Dr. Mike Karuchik, and we'll see you next time. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.